Welcome to the Masters of Automation podcast. In today's episode, we have Param, who's the Chief Product Officer at UiPath. Thank you for taking the time to join my podcast, Param. It's an honor and pleasure to have you here with me and listen to your story today. Thank you all. Thanks for having me. Param has been shaping the roadmap of platforms and the products for many years now, previously at UiPath and SAP before joining UiPath. As the chief product officer, now he shapes the adoption of the future of work technologies like RPA, process mining, test automation, analytics, AI, and beyond. The work we do and the processes we interact with during our daily jobs now change based on the work that Param and his team and colleagues at UiPath do. He is a true master of automation. Now, let's get started with how, how, how did you... How did you start your journey? How did your journey begin with process automation? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I um, even before we called it process automation, um, you know, I had always I started my career as an engineer, um, mostly writing code in Unix operating system back in the nineties. And as an engineer, my life, you know, an engineer's life even today is, is, is highly optimized. You know, we're very efficient at, at what we do. We find great ways to find, um, to, to eliminate waste from our lives. I did a lot of work in, in grips and ox and corn shell. You, you wouldn't imagine the kind of things I wasted my time on. But those are things that just made me happy because it kind of made me efficient. And then I became a product manager. I went to business school and decided I want to be a product manager. And I realized that a lot of things we do in a product manager role are highly inefficient compared to my life as a developer. You know, we did a lot of repetitive kind of things. Um, you know, for example, demo is one of my passion, you know, still is, is to articulate the value of the product that I work on through demos. And, um, you know, I would have to give these demos, sometimes the same demos over and over again. And, you know, if you've done demos, you know that, once you go to the demo, you've changed the shape of the data. So to go to the same demo again, you have to go and undo the steps that you did in the demo. It's in some ways, sort of like repeat a you know, typical pattern of things that you do so that the data is in the exact same shape so you can kind of tell the same story again to the next set of audience. And I, I didn't like that part of my job. And I think that's where I sort of started maybe creating some of the first types of what we call process automation. It was, you know, basically I had a data set that I created in Excel and I used that Excel data set to populate my demo data for the system that I would do my demos in. And I wrote certain scripts that would take that, you know, that demo data set and, you know, sync it with my demo system so I can give the same demo again. Uh, and I think I didn't call it process automation back in the early 2000s then. But essentially, that's what it was. I was sort of automating my, my pattern of things that I had to do in a repeatable way so that I didn't have to redo the same thing over and over again. So after that point, what, what led you to UiPath? What attracted you the most in the company? Yeah, it's a really good question. So my, my first job as a, as a product manager, I worked on a product um, for the call centers. Um, it was one of the most successful call center product back in the day. Uh, you know, we build software for companies, call center software for them. Uh, we deployed it to customers. Customers were very happy. And, and when I walked the halls of the customer, you know, about a year into their deployment, 
I noticed that the agents, the poor agents who, you know, I don't think we told the state pay enough money to, to handle the kind of job that they do. They were doing all tab between six or seven different applications to handle customer calls. Now, mind you, this is a call center system that we purpose built for this customer based on their requirements, based on their need cases. And, you know, that was, you know, that, 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 that stuck with me for a very long time, that, that image of that agent, you know, trying to jump those screens while the customer on the other hand was, you know, not, not happy with, you know, the service, the product that they had bought. And nothing to do with the agent or their experience, but just, you know, they were having a bad day. And, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I didn't forget that. Um, and, and um, you know, when I was at Microsoft in, in 2017, uh, running a business uh, which is also focused on call centers and Salesforce automation applications. Um, we, uh, you know, we partnered with UiPath in the pursuit of a account. Uh, and that's where I saw for the first time what UiPath could do in that same contact center use case, in, this time in the context of a, a financial services um, and a load processing customer where the agent didn't have to jump through six or seven different loan processing applications to handle the customer calls. Um, they were able to get the robots to do it and the robots were bringing all the data back to the dynamic screens, which you know, we were responsible for at Microsoft in, in, in my, during my time there. Uh, and that was a big aha moment for me that this technology is really gonna make an impact in people's life by making them more productive and more efficient at their jobs. Um, and ironically, you know, totally separate. Somebody else reached out to me and said, you have path was looking to grow um, presence in the United States, um, especially around product and engineering talent. And uh, and I took the call and, and answered it. And, and, and here I was a couple months later. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an amazing story. And, and I think the, especially the contact center ties to the customer experience and employee experience as well. Uh, because everyone at some point calls the contact centers <laughs> to resolve an issue that they have. So tying that to to the broader broader hyper automation, uh, what 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 is the future of work for you? And and if you were to apply that that to the life of a chief product officer now, who is who's impacting? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, you know, hyper automation or the, the, the future of work uh, as it's impacted by hyper automation and automation technologies is, is exciting. Because I think for the first time, like all of us can focus on the jobs that we're hired for. Um, like the contact center agent we're talking about, you know, they were hired to, to you know, make customers happy, to, you know, to manage their questions and answer their requests, um, not to jump across systems. Um, and you know, by creating technology uh, to the hyper automation platform, we can get them to focus on that. Robots can jump hoops for them across systems and collect the data, and they can focus on the interaction with the customer and trying to figure out what they can do to make, you know, make their experience more, more satisfying. Um, I'd say the same thing can be applied more generically into other roles and, and other parts of the um, uh, you know, people's jobs, including my job as a chief product officer. So, um, you know, for example, as a chief product officer, 
you know, my job is to is to build the right products and technologies that help to meet our customers' needs and and solve their problems. Uh, but my job, you know, in, in trying to do that is also to manage people. Uh, and and like most managers, I also don't enjoy um, you know the, the 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 process of administering data into um, into people, you know, into HR applications, um, you know, especially during the, 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 the annual review cycle processes and stuff. Um, so I, you know, what I do is I create bots to help me manage that employee lifecycle process data into, into our HR system. But I still use, um, some, some bots to make sure my, my demos are now, ready not just with data but also can run through you know a bot can run through a uh, the test case of my data before i'm supposed to go make the demos make sure all the systems are up and operational uh, and then i can go and you know be more comfortable that i'm not going to hit into a hiccup while i'm running my my demo that all the systems are up that still happens i still run into hiccups because things always break during live demos uh, but you know applying these little things helps me and most importantly i think free up my mind from having to worry less about will the system actually break when i'm doing a demo to focus on am i really articulating the benefit of what we've created as a company to our customers in the appropriate way right i i, I don't have to worry about am i updating the the HR systems, you know, in the right time or not, I can focus more on every, am I creating the right environment for, um, you know, the employees and the product managers at our company to do their best effort to, to meet our customers' needs. Uh, and that's what, you know, the feature work is all about. We, we all can actually start doing the jobs the, that we're hired for, as opposed to trying to, you know, work our way through systems and and trying to unblock, uh, you know, systems that get into the way of us doing our jobs. And then, and that's very well said, and especially since the automation in the early days started with a focus on back office. Now, now we can see a chief product officer can leverage automation um, in, in his daily life. And then I think that where it started and where it came from is really far that it enabled uh, more citizen developers, more anyone to uh, augment robots within their work to improve what they do and focus on the tasks they love rather than doing the repetitive and boring tasks. So as a, as a CPO, now you decide where the product is headed. So what, what do you think is expecting us? What is next? Where, where are we heading now? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and as you mentioned, I think like the, the I think of like um, the, the automation wave in, in sort of almost three different parts. The first one was all around like back office, as you mentioned, the automate, the, the obvious, the high volume processes that no people didn't need to see, just that need to happen should be automated. And that was all focused in UI automation and back office automation. And, and I think that was all in like 2015 to 2018 timeframe. That was, you know, the core of what the RPA market was. Um, I think the last, I'd say three years from 2018 until maybe now has been more focused on um, the, the automation platform as becoming sort of a an enabler for um, companies to be more efficient with their processes, whether they're in the back office or in the front office, you know, combining 
the power of AI and machine learning um, to do things like unstructured data processing from documents, uh, being able to orchestrate end-to-end processes across humans and bots, uh, and being able to manage you know, the, the, the end-to-end journey of, of uh, what customers are trying to manage. And I think that's really sort of been the, the core of what we've seen over the, the next um, three, and over the last three, three years. Uh, and I think I, I call that sort of the second wave of, of the automation. And I think as we get into 2022 and beyond, I think we're really in the in the third wave of automation. And I believe the third wave of automation is, is going to be central, central to how companies think of digital transformation, right? And, and so every company around the world is, is thinking about, around the boardroom is, is sitting and saying, well, we have to digitize our processes. We have to be more responsive to changing patterns in supply chain. We have to find new ways to meet our, our customer demands. And we need more flexibility and agility in, in trying to adapt to uh, what our customers and are trying to do. Um, and yet, you know, the investments that companies have done in their enterprise systems till date have been focused on less on agility, but more on standardization. Uh, if you look at existing systems, the ERP systems and CRM systems, which I have been part of for you know, a long time in my career, were all built on a standard way of doing things. Here's the, the most efficient and the best way to process orders. Here's the best way to manage sales opportunities. Uh, and companies did that in, in that era because they wanted to be more effective and efficient in doing things, and they wanted less variance. However, when you get into digital transformation, um, yes, you do want to be effective and efficient, but you want flexibility and agility is more important. You don't want just one standard way of doing things. You actually want to evolve on new business models that can you know, create differentiation, that can open up new markets or new segments of markets for you, but at the same time, be able to have real-time business monitoring that can make sure that you know you are not doing things in a non-standard or non-conformant, it's a better word, a non-conformant way, so that you know customer, you know, salespeople aren't promising things that your manufacturing can deliver. So I think what automation platforms can deliver in the future is the ability to create a flexible and agile layer on top of existing investments in core platforms so that you can create new processes and new experiences for customers, yet do it in a way that you've got business process monitoring underneath it all that can monitor alerts and exceptions in real time so that while it gives you the flexibility and agility to to your people to to imagine new ways of doing things, it also gives you the real-time monitoring to make sure that for any non-conformant or non-compliant way of doing things can be caught in real time and can be exposed um, and, and stopped at, at, you know, in, in real time. And I think that is what the automation platform of over the next three years is going to deliver uh, a, a flexible, agile way to innovate around the core platforms to help companies digitize their processes and businesses while promising real-time monitoring of processes and, and improving those processes. As, as you said, it's a very exciting future ahead waiting for everyone and including ourselves and the next generations who be entering into the workforce. 
as as they start their journeys with automation or interact with processes that have real time transactional processing and and capabilities. So that's it. Thank you very much for joining my podcast session today, Pram. It's been very informative, very educational, and it's been a pleasure to listen to your story of how, how you started your RPA and process automation journey and, and your insights into what is coming ahead. Thank you very much for joining once again. Thank you, Al. Thank you so much for having me.